Welcome to At Home with Kelly and Tiffany, where naturally-minded women gather together as we pursue simplicity and confidence in health alternatives so we can show up better in our busy lives and feel more at home in our bodies. Join your favorite home birth midwife duo for conversation, candor, and community. You're at home with Kelly and Tiffany. I just tried so hard to swoop in and I only just pressed record and usually we have this awkward like 20 second um, like, oh, am I ready to start kind of thing? And then I was like, oh, I'm going to swoop in at like second six. You swooped in. I just had intuition that I needed to get a move on or you were going to ruin the podcast again. Well, it's been fun doing a podcast with, but this is episode 104. One of these episodes, maybe it's 105. You'll have to come back and listen. Maybe I'll introduce it. We'll see. Actually, you know what? I don't um, always hear it, but my voice is actually the introduction to the podcast. Okay, Kelly, you got to brag in front of the whole audience yes, yes, about your little claim to fame. Legal. So give me this one pleasure of introducing the podcast. Fine. You guys are welcome. We meant that. Welcome. We started out on a great foot. Actually, before we started recording this episode, we were laughing at how easily we get hurt now in our late 30s. For example, this has nothing to do with anything. Nope. But since we started bickering with each other, I just feel like we should round it out. Okay, starting with Kelly. <laughs> Got a lot of problems with her. Okay, yeah. No. F- first of all, Kelly. She broke her finger a couple months ago, putting on a rain boot. That's the stupidest way when everybody, anybody's like, what happened to your finger? Well, I broke it. Oh, man. How did that happen? And I literally think, should I lie? Because this is so terrible. Oh, I was putting on a rubber rain boot. My finger just got caught because I was trying to get it on. It got stuck on my heel and then. And I was sitting about to get out for church, like in the car, trying to put a rain boot on because I don't drive in rain boots because that is just confusing for my feet. And I sat there and it happened. And I like took a deep breath and I was like, don't cry. But I think you just. And it still looks terrible. It's real bad. It's at least a month old, a month and a half old. Yeah. It's still puffy and like kind of. Do you think your do you think your fingernail is going to fall off? I don't know. It's looking really questionable at the bottom. and I don't want to talk about it okay let's talk about the time when i was out just having the time of my life in my garden barefoot it's the perfect scene of a homesteading tip out just living her very best life i might have even had like overalls on probably in like a little gardening apron that you were putting your squash into yeah yeah and like a sun hat yes yeah and then I stepped on a rake, like Tom and Jerry cartoon, and I broke my toe. Ow. Which hurt so bad. It hurt bad for a while, too. Yeah. Remember, like, I couldn't wear shoes to the next birth? Yeah, that was sad. Oh, my gosh. It was. It did not look good. No. So we don't know what it is. Did your toenail fall off? No. But I did accidentally kick something with it right when it was finally healing, and I think I broke it again. Probably. I feel like I've done that. I am not caring for my finger well. So I'm like, I'm just going to use it. I 
can't imagine that has helped the situation. I wonder if we would lean into the mineral richness of traditional foods a little heavier in our lifestyles. Uh-huh. If we could have the benefits of stronger bones. My bones are so weak. <laughs> I feel like a, we better be careful we don't fall down and like break a hip at this point. Yeah. I mean, if you're like an OG listener, I fell off a hoverboard and broke shoulder pretty much a couple of years ago. I was dumb. That's another one that's a hard thing to admit. My injuries are stupid. Oh, it's such a bummer. I have no interesting stories. I had to have surgery on it. It's just, I, d- I had to have surgery for my hoverboard accident. And I was not the first person in the OR that day for a hoverboard injury. This is my PSA. Adults do not belong to hoverboards. Okay, but now Kelly will not go ice skating with me nope. or buy roller skates when I did or anything fun or adventurous. I was like, I'm not going to let this change the way I live my life. And then it was like this traumatic enough that I 100% will let it change my life. You couldn't properly change your one-year-old's diaper. No, and she was still nursing. So I'd like pick her up with one arm, nurse her, and literally like middle of the night would like flop her over the crib and she just like plop in and she just got used to it which is the sad part oh this is just how i get put the bed now terrible so no i will not be go i just envision myself falling on ice i'm sorry i just don't have a positive view of my capabilities on things with wheels okay or I accept that. Okay. I accept that. Thank you so much, listeners, for allowing us to process some of those pieces. As you know, we are mostly here to serve you. And you guys gave us six minutes and 19 seconds of service back. Clearly, we had some processing to do. This is exciting episode because it's the first one we're recording in our new office. It is. And we're like kind of moving things around and just putting our little touch on our new yeah we are the joyful recipients of being a part of young medicine's office setup she invited us to share space with her earlier this year and it was right when we needed to switch up locations with our last office and if you don't follow dr michelle young on instagram you are missing out she is naturopath with pediatric specialty and just the absolute genius on all things kiddo so much so that most of our clients see her as an alternative to md pediatric care and it's just so aligned with Mm-hmm. All of the great natural things that we like to share. Yeah, I've used a couple things that she shared even just about her kids, but use them myself or for other people in my family. And like, oh man, I'll like send her a message and be like, you are brilliant. Onion Irma. I've done that. It's, like that blew my mind. The cold sock trick. Oh, it's great. So good. Yeah. I love naturopathic care. I think in another life, I've been a naturopath. Yeah. Another life that I will never go back never. to. <laughs> Not this life. No, we encourage you to go become a dear listener. Oh my gosh, please do. We need more of them. Oh, we'll really do. Especially 
passionate about women's health and family care. Yes. Before we dive into traditional foods, which is such a great topic, I it's it's a little it feels a little bit out of rhythm in some ways because we haven't shared on style of eating before, but everybody will see really quickly how important it is to overall health and how you can utilize it at any stage of womanhood and hopefully feel inspired to change a couple of nutrition patterns in your life that help your body to do all the cool things your body wants to do for you. That's what we're all about here. Before we dive in to all that goodness, I have a review to read. Stellar. This is, okay, this is my favorite kind of review. Review slash encouragement slash testimonial. Okay. And so it got me feeling really excited that this person took the time to share this. Oh, it's a long one. Yeah, I know. She has a lot of great stuff to say. Okay. So this is from Olivia Faith One. One. You guys know if we read your review, we will buy you a drink. So Olivia Faith One. Reach out to us, email, Instagram, say, I heard you read my amazing review. Give me my drink. Slash encouragement, slash testimonial. This is what Olivia Faith One says. I seriously can't say enough wonderful things about this podcast. For years, I was plagued with intense symptoms of hormone balance. And any time I tried to fix things naturally, I listened to podcasts or other information that was totally overwhelming and left me feeling so discouraged by all they wanted me to do so fast. Kelly and Tiffany are super realistic and give you information in bite-sized pieces so that you can actually implement it in your life. Also, their podcast is fun and light, so you don't leave feeling terrified of all the things you need to improve. The biggest testimony to this podcast is that for 10 years, I was getting migraines 20 to 25 days out of the month and had headache pain almost every day of the month. I had gone to tons of doctors who put me on medicines, birth control, etc., and nothing worked. I was totally lost and depressed thinking I was going to deal with migraines for my entire life. In the last one and a half years of listening to this podcast, I took small steps over time and am rejoicing that I now get zero to two migraines a month. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Kelly and Tiffany, for all that you do. The only thing that I don't like is that you don't live in Chicago, so I can't go to you when I get pregnant. (laughs) That gives me some goosebumps. That's good stuff. That's really sweet. I can't believe that she would attribute that impact to the information that we share it is so kind to get that feedback and truly fuels us in wanting to get more health information into women's hands so that they can do something yeah that makes me want to make more just get the information out there obviously like olivia is the one who's doing the work for real and what an incredible thing to be able to do the work in little bits and then go from like a legitimately debilitating life experience to like such freedom that is wild so good so so good olivia i did live in chicago for a couple years before i had a baby it was very cold wonderful city will not move back there sorry very sorry kelly says no 
crushing dreams. Crushing fingers and crushing dreams. <laughs> My personal tagline. So that got me thinking there has to be other women out there who have some similar encouragement that feel impacted by some of the information that we've shared. And if that is you, lady listener, would you just take five minutes out of your busy day and send us an email or an Instagram message or leave a review that shares your experience on how just the tiniest bit of something that you've heard us talking about on here has impacted you because I would love to compile that type of encouragement and keep it in a place where we can share it with other women so that they know that change in their life is possible too. Yeah, what what an encouraging thing to stumble upon, not even pridefully for ourselves, but if somebody else is looking at, should I listen to this podcast and they read something like that, what an encouragement her own experience is to other women who are seeking out alternative information yeah what a gift yeah a gift that keeps on giving okay so jumping into traditional foods and specific to female health we want to literally like feed our bodies what they need to function well because that's what keeps us healthy if that sounds so simple yet most likely if you look in your cabinets or you take an assessment of the food that you have eaten in a day there's probably even the people i feel like generally like pretty clean diet there's probably some stuff in there that you're like "Mm, actually uh, this is helping the situation body is yeah and we're not asking for perfection by any means but the cool thing about traditional foods is that packs so much bang for your buck that what a great way to layer in extra nutrition so that if you are going to consume this type of food, why not prepare it traditionally so you can get the maximum amount of nutrition? Yes, absolutely. And I just feel like we've talked in multiple different ways about how important food is on the direct impact, not only just of our bodies as a whole, but like our hormones in particular, how important. And not saying it's not important for men too, but for women's health. So equal opportunity, hormone production, but how crazy impactful what you put in and on your body is to your gut health, to your hormone production, to your blood sugar stability. And I've seen a huge thing on what I eat or don't eat, mental health, digestive system, like all kinds of different aspects of my body. So again, nothing is happening in a vacuum in our bodies. And so what we put into it plays a part in all different kinds of systems. Yeah, absolutely. Which should be encouraging. There's something you can do in order to influence maximum nutrition. Sometimes when we talk about nutrition or exercise, like movement, I feel like we want it to be we want it to be an encouraging conversation. Sometimes I know that it these are like very sensitive pieces of people's lives too, you know? Yeah, so move forward with care and wisdom and just be discerning for yourselves what is going to be appropriate for you or not. The greatest thing about sharing this kind of information or being someone who consumes this type of information, if you get one nugget from a 30-minute podcast that you're like, oh, there's one little thing that I'm going to consider, 
trying or thinking about more it plants a seed and it you know something grows out of it later there's there's definitely not a prescriptive nature to what we share yeah absolutely and just like everything else we talk about one small step towards healing makes a bit makes a big difference for sure and i feel like one of the biggest things that we see in our practice is because we get to go so deep into postpartum with moms can be how impactful nourishing traditional food can be on moms as normal and natural as pregnancy and breastfeeding are the mineral depletion that happens is real and so um, especially if you're somebody who is having babies close together or just feeling quite yourself postpartum this is something for sure that makes a big difference yeah absolutely Let's talk about the benefits of traditional eating that are not food related. Meaning traditional food is good, but there's other good things about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, traditional eating is a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I think that that can kind of blow people's mind a little bit because other diets that are lifestyles isolate you from your life in some Mm -hmm. ways, right? Like it kind of removes food in some aspects from being enjoyable and an integral part of your home and your kitchen life. The benefits of eating traditional foods that are not food related are brings intention. Yeah, when I feel like when you're eating with a purpose for a purpose, that is really different than just kind of mindlessly consuming what's just available, right? Like you can allow nutrition to be a big part of your life without being obsessed with it. You can just recognize that it is a big part of how your body is functioning and actually enjoy. Another benefit is mindfulness, which is just essentially like being aware and caring enough to make the time and plan ahead to make these foods a priority. Yeah. And I feel like that's one of the pieces. I mean, it it blends in with intention a bit, but making the time to step away from, again, the easily grabbable things. And sometimes tradition can be if you have, again, taken the time to plan and prepare, it really is, it's a sweet thing to provide for yourself because it feels good. The more that I practice and the more that I learn and like lean into the practices of this type of eating, the more empowered I feel as a woman, as a mom, leading my family in creating meals it is very empowering yeah and i think the number one reason that women will say that they can't eat more traditional foods is because they don't have the time right and i can relate to that there's been plenty of seasons in my life where i'm like we are just scraping by making we are just eating and it's not optimal of course we know but we're just we're just going to eat and move on and in a different season perhaps creating this intention and this mindfulness about what you're eating kind of just brings you back to the self-care, the hearth of the home, you know, and allows you to let it be more important than some of the other things taking up time in your life, especially if the other things taking up time in your life are actually contributing to poor health. Absolutely. I feel like there's been times where I've been like, well, I don't have enough time to do that. And then like I assess the time of my day. Like, well, could I have enough time to mindlessly scroll Instagram for half an hour? Yeah. 
could I have used that time to be so much more intentional and like mindful about what I'm preparing? Yeah, it's a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. But the third benefit of eating traditional foods that is not food related is simplicity. It really ushers in that more ancient, time-tested concept that it's not fancy, it's not complicated, but it's grounding, connecting, it's honoring the source of the food and making the most of the purest, you know, most basic food. Yeah, it does really help you connect with your food source. You know, and that is something that we generally speak, except for those of you with like homesteads or farms have really, we have so many spaces in between us and our food sources now that this is a really simple, like harkens back to the old days kind of feeling as you kind of lean into it a little bit more. Okay, cool. It is. It's super cool. So if I was listening right now, I would be like crawling out of my skin if I did not know what traditional foods were, I'd be like, would you just say what we're talking about? So 22 minutes in, we shall define the topic of nutritional foods. So it can mean, uh, there's kind of variances of what it can technically mean, but we'll define traditional nutrition and traditional foods as foods in their most whole form that are present historically across many cultures. It's kind of the idea that, like, if you had something to eat, would your great, 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 great grandma know what it was that was in your hand, right? And that's sort of a general bar to kind of... Yeah, and you brought up, like, the concept of homestead, which is before industrialized America or industrialized any country, right? Families had to provide for themselves or trade in order to provide for themselves. They had to provide something to trade. And the manufacturing and preserving and, 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 and of the food industry has created greater access and ease, but we have just single-handedly completely destroyed what food is compared to how it's been consumed for you know thousands of years before the 50s. Yeah, absolutely. So I bought this book a while ago. Maybe it was because you told me about it. This book called Deep Nutrition. It is my favorite. Yeah. It must have been you who told me about it. But it is really fascinating and super helpful just understanding traditional food in general. But she has these things in her book, she being the author, Dr. Shanahan, but she calls them the four pillars. So the four pillars that she defines of nutritional food, meat cooked on the bone, organ meat, fresh plant and animal products, and fermented food. Those are like the big heavy hitters that she talks about and kind of bases a lot of her vision. Yeah, and so the foods that we eat to be considered traditional should fit into these categories. And she does a lot of her research and work based off of ancient culture eating habits, but also the Western A. Price Foundation information too, which is essentially like this dentist who ended up traveling the world providing dental care. I, I don't know if he provide, but he was recognizing like these tribes in the middle of like nowhere have these amazing perfect teeth. 
and like oral structures and all of these things versus these other cultures who and kind of put together this whole vision of wow how much food really matters not only for what we are eating but then for these women who are pregnant and what they are consuming and how that is contributing to how their baby is growing developing. yeah and dr shanahan in deep nutrition she goes into many many rabbit holes so if this is piquing your interest you just absolutely have to pick up this book which we'll link in the show notes with a lot of other resources but she goes into epigenetics and how just good genes can get completely sideswept by one generation crappy eating. It will actually change the genes that you pass on to your children and their predisposition to disease, etc. Which is wild. And that's not to be like condemning, hopefully to be like, oh, wow, this is actually kind of empowering. I have, have some power over this. I'm wondering on these like four pillar thing, what, what do you see as like, what's your most commonly consumed like on your meat cooked on the bone, organ meat, fresh animal products, fermented food, fresh plant and animal products. Yeah. Mostly because convenience. For sure. It's easier to grab vegetables and cheese. And yes. hundred percent. That's me too. I'm trying to get more into fermented right now like purposefully being like okay i actually need to kind of train it a little bit more because before i was like i just don't really like the taste. too so bad it's really not for me it's too bad if you don't like the taste right i can actually teach myself though you can what's the best way to kind of develop the palate for fermented food well i took the trick that we teach parents with little tiny baby and just taking little bits of sauerkraut juice a little bit every day and then a little bit more, right? More. And now I'm like, because my dad grew, my dad's German, like grew up always making sauerkraut. That was a big part of our meals. And I would never eat it. Always push it off to the side. Did not like the smell, taste. And now I'm like, oh, maybe dad was right. It is good. Well, it depends if he was bringing you fermented cabbage or sauerkraut off the shelf. No, he was big into like actually making it. Oh, I believe that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did yeah. he have an outfit? Did he have a sauerkraut outfit? And certainly he had some kind of Oktoberfest outfit. My dad has like a costume for every like Thanksgiving last year. He dressed up as a pilgrim. They like throw Oktoberfest parties and he's got like the little Bavarian boy. <laughs> That's one of them. I don't know. It's hilarious. Great. It was hilarious. It's one of the highlights of my knowing you. Yeah, great. Okay. So I've listed four foods here that are in my opinion as you know is very very weighty around here of course in my opinion these are the easiest places to start with incorporating traditional food and the first one i have is bone broth that one maybe i i talk a lot about how i feel intimidated things at first so maybe i'm just an easily intimidated person where i was but making it myself sounded like too much so i would get like the highest quality that I could from the from the store, which was great. But learning how to do that myself was a game changer, simple and cheap and so nourishing and so versatile. You can drink it, but you can use it in so much and it gives such good flavor. Yeah, it does. And there's so many different varieties of mm-hmm. ways to make it. There's like really no wrong way to do it. You throw bones in a slow cooker or a pressure cooker or even just 
on your stove and just cook it all day with water and some apple cider vinegar and whatever other ingredients you want to actually flavor your bone broth with. And voila, the idea is that you cook the bones so soft that all of the nutrients from the marrow and the bone itself comes and leaches itself into the water. And now you have this really nutritious broth. Delicious and nutritious. I'm going to make a little link for women to learn more about these food items. So we can kind of overview them. And for people who are like, ooh, tell me more about that, you can click through and and get some more info. The next one is fermented veggies. You said you're working on that, Cal. I am working on it, and I'm actually working on it from a piece of content that we put out, which is your fermented carrot recipe from our vaginal health food guide. And I wasn't starting it because I was like, I need help with my vaginal health. I was just like, I keep seeing this pop up. feel like this is something that I would like to lean into a little bit more. And I started with carrots because I'm like, well, I like, I like carrot. I bet I could like ferment it. And I will say, I don't have it quite down yet, but worthy to keep trying. And I don't hate it. There we go. Yes. Which I think that's a win because before it would be like, that's nice for other people. Disgusting. Carrots are cool because they're a little bit sweet. So it kind of helps to cut that bitterness of ferment that is sometimes disagreeable for some palates, some immature palates. That's me. But also, depending on how you slice them or cut them, they you can still have a little bit of crunch with it. So if part of fermented veggies is the texture also, which tends to be just kind of soft. Yes. Then carrot stick, a fermented carrot stick can keep some of this. The stick will, will keep the crunch a little bit more. Yeah. So what have you been, how have you been slicing? Like short ways? Yes. Like rounds? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So go into, give yourself carrot sticks. Great. Yep. And like quarter. Yep. Okay. And then you have a denser thing that potentially fermenting doesn't happen all the way to the inside, but all of the outside of your stickle ferment. Fermented stick. Well, only the outside of your <laughs> stick fermented. No, that's a that's a hot tip. I will share in a future episode my experience with carrot sticks. You can't wait for that update. People will be just chomping at the bit. Chomping at the <laughs> fermented carrot stick. Waiting. My next item is organ meat. Specifically, I feel like you cannot tell somebody to start eating more organ meats unless you have some tips for them. Yeah, because people are like, well, that's all well and good, but hard. Yeah, most people are not going to just chow down on liver and onion. Which is crazy because it's actually not that bad, like just straight up, but it's so great to be able to hide it in certain things or mix it into certain things that nobody has any idea of. But the nourishment content just blows everything, like blows so much out of water. It is out of this world. There is no way to describe. I'm telling you, you could live off of organ meats and eggs. I'm almost positive. Yeah. If, if whatever animal it's from was like grazing on healthy you know, grass and all, like, it makes sense that these ancient cultures, if we're talking like traditional foods like this, it makes sense that ancient cultures would not leave any piece of this animal to waste. And yeah. it's not because they're just so eco-friendly. Yeah, right? They recognize the 
the benefit for sure. So hack number one for organ meats is just learn how to cook it. Okay. There's lots of techniques for mixing it with other things, soaking, marinating it, and just finding ways to eat it and cook it well. Most people who try liver just cook it terribly and that's why it tastes bad. Even if you cook the steak terribly, like I'm not into this. Yeah. And I think it also was you who shared that you put it in with like some ground beef or something and family was like, well, I have no idea. So I was like, oh, I should try some of that particular way. And I was like, oh, it makes it look like I have more food in here. And nobody has any idea. And I'm not going to tell them. Yeah. So you can get, you can go to like the farmer's market or local butcher or whatever and get your liver or heart organs ground up so that it's the same exact texture and consistency as ground beef or ground turkey. And then it, there's no end to what you can do with it. Meatballs, lasagna, pasta sauce. Great. Yes. So many things. Anything you can do with ground beef, which is super helpful. Huh. I invested in, and it wasn't a very big investment. I'm telling you it's like 30 or $40 probably. <laughs> I took a lot. Actually, I went to the bank and I withdrew some of my when was the last time savings for the kitchen. My KitchenAid mixer, there is a meat grinding attachment. I don't have to pay extra for the for someone to grind it already. Oh. I can just buy liver myself, shove it down my meat grinder, and then now I have fresh ground liver that I can incorporate into. It gives you a little bit more control, a little bit more affordability, a little bit more like versatility. That's a great, great there. Yeah, it makes it makes it really easy. And then the last organ eating hack is just swallow it whole. And fresh without yeah. cooking it. Which sounds crazy to people, but in small enough pieces, quick enough swallow. No. So you can either cut it up fresh and just stick it in the back of your mouth and shoot it. It does. It seems truly disgusting. Yeah. But if you're someone who can just handle swallowing something crazy, it's just like putting a bunch of supplements in your mouth and swigging them down if you don't overthink it. Another favorite thing is cube it up into swallowable pieces but freeze it because then when you put it in your mouth it just doesn't have the same texture or taste to it right away and so sometimes that's a little bit more palatable i am imagining there's people listening to us talk about this right now and they were they're disgusted. a dry heaving in their car yeah, absolutely i'm gonna make you dry heave maybe slightly more one of my instagram friends made a story about how she grabbed like a log of liver that she had in the freezer and she purposefully froze it in a log so that she could get it out and use a cheese grater like a hard cheese grater and grate off the pieces and just have it in her smoothies or whatever else she's blending up and she was like i didn't have anything to it i didn't have to cut it up i didn't whatever i just tossed it in the freezer and i get it out and i grate it and i eat you know flakes off easily that is Really smart. You've got it figured out. Really smart. Because she was like, I don't actually like, man, like, well, touching it. This. Yeah. And so this was like an easy way for her to do that. Good for her. Yeah. I love that. Love, love, love. The last food that I want to cover is fermented sourdough. I just want to do a whole podcast on sourdough. Eat it. I want to eat the sourdough while we're talking about it with a bunch of butter. Yes. One of my goals for this year, as I set out to make just only the most important goals for the year, of course, is to bake sourdough for my family once a week. And so far, I'm doing it like probably two or three times because I'm like, this is just so good. How not? 
And it gets eaten so quickly because it's so good. Yeah. But I just think it's so important that we can eat a product that we know exactly what went in it. Three ingredients. I have all control over the flour that I put in it. And it's delicious and fresh. And because of the fermentation process, it has helpful strains of probiotics in it. And you just end up with a really wholesome, inexpensive, delicious bread product that is so far from anything that you can buy anyplace else. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to feel like you can homestead with Ma Ingalls on the prairie starting sourdough that's like an it's a it potentially maybe a harder win at first i remember the first few loaves that i made i was like well these are pretty dense or like questionable it still was good though i was like i'm still gonna eat this but as it as you start to understand the process a little bit more and you understand your own kitchen and temperatures and all kinds of stuff i feel like all of a sudden you feel like you can conquer the world when you know how to mix sourdough and the long fermentation process, too, really relaxes gluten. So a lot of people who are gluten sensitive, I mean, even my brother-in-law, Celia, he can eat homemade, long fermented sourdough. And so that's going to tell you something, right? Like process and the slowness and the intentionality and the mindfulness, all of those pieces come together really in a cool way with sourdough. Yeah, absolutely. It's exciting. I don't know if I, maybe like 10, 12 years ago, I would have been like, one day I'm going to be on a podcast and I'm just going to talk about how exciting sourdough is. But here I am and it is, right? It's, it's fun to talk about. I was talking to a mutual friend of ours a few weeks ago and saying like, oh, yeah, no, I got my sourdough starter going again. I'm really trying to like work at that. And she was like, I would love to be able to make more bread, but we're just home enough. It was the first time that this concept really lit up for me of like, oh, yeah. It's a, you're choosing a nutritional lifestyle by making time for this. And ever since that concept kind of came up for me, I thought that's that is the lifestyle I want. I want to spend time creating nutrients for my family. I want to have the lifestyle that supports that and things that are going to get in the way of me making a fresh loaf of bread. I don't want to do that. I don't want that to be a part of my life. I want to have a life where I can make a loaf of bread once a week. And also so telling because like my sourdough died last year and I'm like, that's because I like the capacity in different seasons is just different. And it's sweet to be in a season where I'm like, just like you, like, oh, my sourdough, my starter's happy. It's bubbling and wants to give me a chance. Yeah, it's not pink or frothy or crusty on the top. I remember you sent a text message. I think it was to me and maybe your sister-in-law. It was like, what do we think about this or something? And it was like blue maybe or gray. And I was glad I couldn't smell it from my phone. You can bring starter back to life pretty easily. Yeah. This one, I had to throw away the container it was sitting in. I've never seen anything like it. Don't want that touching anything else. Okay. As we start to wrap up, as we begin to wrap up, <laughs> talk about this all night. It just kind of reminds me of going to church and the pastor's up there for a while. And he's like, and to wrap up. But then like 20 minutes later, he's like, and also in closing. That is just yep. the essence of what we're about to do here. Yes. Okay. So in 15 minutes, this podcast will be over. But no, real quickly, 
I pulled Instagram this week as I was preparing this episode because I wanted to be a part of real solutions for women. And there's nothing like a poll on Instagram. Ain't that the truth? Yeah, right? So I, I asked, what do you want to know about traditional foods? And the things that came up the most, I kind of squeezed down into three categories. So let's answer some of these questions before we sign off today. What is some meal inspiration for someone who feels like they're doing the same things all the time? Pretty much me in a nutshell. I like have my repertoire that I'm like, I know my kids will eat. Everybody's going to be fine. This is going to be like the path of least resistance. And I will say, I will say being on Instagram can sometimes feel overwhelming because you're like, people understand exactly what they're doing, or it seems like you're not doing enough or something. But one of the books that I found there, which actually I think you, but the nutrient dense kitchen book was really helpful for me because it brings in it's almost like our, I've like a favorite sourdough book too, that just helps simplifying is like, here are simple ways to help introduce these things. So I didn't change everything overnight, nor have I. I still have many of my same staples, but once a week, I am like committed to trying something new that incorporates foods like this because I know I need it and I want that, but also my the rest of my family needs it too. Like they need exposure to too. And then eventually I'm sure it'll be more and more, but that's what I've committed to. And it, it feels. Yeah. That's awesome. I also think that like you can never go wrong with soups and stews. That is a place where you can jam pack a lot of nutrition, a lot of traditional foods, especially if you're choosy about your meats and make something come together that can be an endless variety. Yes, absolutely. And that's a great place just to be like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to make the soup, but I'm going to make sourdough with it instead of the store-bought bread. Or I'm going to make the bone broth that goes into it, right? And just commit to, even if it's the same repertoire that, of foods that you normally eat, you're you're inserting something new into it. I love that. The next question is, how can I eat this way, but on a budget? How can I save money? It seems like these foods tend to be more expensive. What say you? I mean, it's not wrong, right? It's not wrong to say like some of these things are more expensive, but also feel like when some of the things are actually less expensive when you price it out or you you know just take like a quick overview of, oh actually it's way cheaper to use the bones of this rotisserie chicken that i got or a bit whatever and make my own broth than keep buying this other bought broth or i mean bread's relatively you know and so you read you can just it, it may be like a misnomer that it's completely more expensive to do it that way also i mean gardening and things like in your own home not that that's necessarily cheap because there's some startup and all of that kind of stuff, but starting to see yourself as like self-sustainable in certain spaces is a great little way to save money overall, especially with how expensive our is right now. Yeah. I mean, it kind of melds in the concept of lifestyle. Like, can you enjoy, can you almost make hobby out this way of living? Yeah. I like that that idea. Yeah. And I think if you compare quality meats to unquality meats, 
you start to go, wait, can I really afford to pay twice as much for this pasture raised whatever? And I think that we can when we decide that that's the priority and that we're not buying the things that are actually astronomically overpriced and have no nutritional value like processed foods, snack food, packaged food, all the other things that end up in the cart at the grocery store. If we took those items out and we committed to a simpler way of eating, I think we can afford to eat higher quality of those items. And you will also cure part of a first question. Of, you will start to get really creative. Wait, for sure. And there's an old saying, almost as traditional as the foods that we're talking about. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's not that. But like, you're, you're either going to pay for it now with your nutrition or you're going to pay for it later in healthcare. And if you do truly believe that food is medicine and that good nutritional habits lay a foundation for a healthier, longer life, do you want to pay it now in a way that makes you feel really good about what you're putting in your body and your family's body or be super stoked that you got your grocery budget under $200, but you're eating garbage that's going to make you sick and put you on a bunch of long-term health issues later. Yeah. It's a, it's a real, it's an actual economy. Yeah, absolutely. And you, and one month may look different than another or whatever. And so there's no like hard and fast rule here, but mostly just saying it actually is more accessible. A lot of people think. And sometimes influencers stuff on Instagram make it seem like you have to have the best kitchen equipment or the, the cutest little renovated kitchen, farmhouse kitchen to make all this stuff. And you don't. no, no, you don't. Okay. Lastly, how do you meal prep this type of food? This comes from lady who is a busy doula and midwifery student has a family of her own. So she's like, I love this idea. How do you do it? My heart is with you, dear lady. Because that's a lot. And I didn't, I personally did not have the capability of meal prepping this way when I was in that season of life. And I kind of had to be okay with that. But I also didn't know what I know now about the ease of some of these things. And about getting my kids involved in some of these things, too. So my oldest is understanding how to make bone broth. That's a, such an easy meal prep situation. Doing long, uh, slow cooker stuff is super, super easy. And I love what you were sharing about your meat grinder. I think that's such a great way just to like have a bit more control over how much you're eating, how much you're incorporating. But it kind of just comes down to like one step at a time let me try this my hand at the sourdough thing let me try my hand at this broth thing let me try you know adding one different kind of meal in this week or even if it's just one that i get this month i'm going to take that as a win because my life is so crazy right now it small changes over time i think yeah i would not take on all of these things at once unless you have a massive amount of energy and time on your hands pick one practice it craft it Make a day where you get all your ferment canned up for six months or something, right? Like that would only take half a day to do that. It would be so simple. Or get bone broth cooking. I mean, like, I, so I say if I don't have time to make bone broth, I just take the carcass or the bones and throw it in the freezer. 
And so I might have three or four batches of bone broth that I can make all in one day and then freeze some of that for later. And so there are some some ways to set some time aside, get things kind of prepped up and ready to make grabbing these items a lot easier. Hot tip. I like that. Yeah. Like throw, yeah, just throwing it in the freezer. We had a client. How did I not think of that? Yeah, we had a client. Well, because it's only good for like four days in the fridge or something, right? Yeah. And so we had a client who said she pours her bone broth into ice cube trays. So she has these really small little portioned out things. So if she just needs a cup of broth or something, she just grabs like six cubes. And that's when I was like, duh, of course. Or if you just need to throw some in a mug and heat up for your sick kid, right? Then you just have it at the ready. So now I've been ice cube training everything in my entire world. I'm like, this is the most genius thing in the entire world. You get an ice cube. You get an ice cube. I like it. That's that's brilliant. Yeah. So lots of little ideas like that can kind of create some sustainability with some of these ideas. In the show notes, we're going to list out our favorite resources, favorite cookbooks, favorite places for you to go dive into some of these things more, including more information on the exact foods that we shared in this class, but we have class. Okay, class. This food that we share in this podcast. 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 But in in true at home with Kelly and Tiffany fashion, we are leaving you with a a gift. Of course we are, because we are gifters. We have for you in the show notes a simple uh, sourdough recipe freebie. This was based on the simplest way that Tiff found to cook her or to bake her sourdough from start to finish. It Sometimes sourdough can feel a little overwhelming and we just spent like 10 minutes talking about how wonderful it is. This is your entry into making sourdough as simple as possible. So if you've been doing sourdough for a while and trying to get the hang of it, if you've never started this is your invitation to do so. Yeah, there are so many different methods, and I think that's a part of what makes it kind of intimidating. You should know it's really difficult to screw it up. So just pick a me- method, stick with it. I have pared it down to the bare bones, and that's what I do. I just get as simple as possible. So if you guys want in on that recipe, the show notes has instant download links for you guys. You can own that recipe for yourself. We've really been on a journey tonight, or today, whenever it is you're listening. I loved talking about this. This was really great, and actually, there were like four or five different things that I was like, we should do an episode all on that, <laughs> just because uh, there's so much to this. But I think I just love make. I just love simplifying stuff. Love taking this idea that's kind of a buzzword or like buzz topic, and being like, well, here's really the what it means, and like some of the things to think about as you're assessing what to do with the information. Yeah, I hope that some of the information that you guys heard today makes an impact on the way that you think about food. Me also. And and me as well. Great. We'll catch you next week. Bye.